James Harden hopped off a plane from Los Angeles and beat the Knicks down on Monday night. How will the Knicks play out the final seven weeks of basketball? Should Leon Rose and company hire Tom Thibodeau after the season? We chat about it all with New York Sports Writer of the Year, Mike Vaccaro. We also discuss the future of the team and the journey to the Knicks broadcast booth with their radio play-by-play voice, Ed Cohen. All that and more next on Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Welcome to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host, Kazim Famiwide, a.k.a. Kaz. You can follow me on social media, at Kazim, on Instagram and Twitter, at K-A-Z-E-E-M. New episodes drop each and every Tuesday, so hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and all those good places. Rate us five stars, and please write a nice review, because oxygen and compliments is how I survive in life. Mike Vaccaro and Ed Cohen join the show today. So let's talk some Knicks basketball. You know, Jake, against my better judgment, I watched the Knicks play the Rockets last night, knowing what was going to happen. They lost 123-112. to 112. James Harden uh, hopped fresh off of a plane from Los Angeles. Hopped right off the plane to LAX. From LAX <laughs> right into the Toyota Center and did what he does every time he plays the Knicks, and that has given them the blues. Russell Westbrook didn't play, but uh, for the first quarter, the Knicks looked okay. You know I mean? R.J. Barrett was looking nice. And, you know, we're at that point of the year where you're just kind of like not really worried about wins and losses, but now you're in a, you're in asset management mode, right? So we got R.J. Barrett, who had an incredible first quarter, 16 points, I think, four rebounds, a couple of assists, two for, I think, two for four from the three-point line. He looked good. He looked like the guy, well, Clyde said it on the broadcast. He said, oh, he looks like he's got his Duke jersey on right now. Like, he looked like he was, he was the best player on the court for that first quarter. And then, uh, you know, not surprisingly, he only shot the ball one time in the second quarter. <laughs> for some reason, he didn't get the ball back. He didn't get a touch. He, he wasn't getting the looks that he was getting. He wasn't getting downhill, which is his, his best asset as a player right now. The Knicks are now 17-40. and 40. Lost four in a row, eight games out of the eighth seed, surprisingly. And uh, there's only about 25 games to go right now. Like I said, asset management mode, um, what I saw from R.J. Barrett looked really great. Um, He had a couple of moves uh, during the first half where he was just putting people on his shoulder, going to the left and just bodying them and muscling these guys to the rim. And uh, you see kind of that glimmer of potential. And remember, he's only 20. I think he just turned 20 years old. He's only 19 years old. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But he's still barely a teenager. He'll be 20 on June 14th. He'll be 20 on June 14th. And you see the glimpses of, 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 of star in him when he gets it going. And you kind of wonder what he's going to look like when he's the unquestioned leader of that team. Well, you see it, like you said, in, in spurts, kind of. You see yeah. glimmers. But we haven't seen a complete game. Like you said, he had the great first quarter, and then he fell off the map the rest of the game. So that's something, maybe that's conditioning. Maybe that's a confidence issue. When he started missing shots, he lost it. But we need to see that over four quarters because, listen, he's playing the minutes. He led the Knicks last night in 34 minutes. He's going to play around 34, 35 minutes every night the rest of the way in the 25 games left, and you're going to have to see it more from the young guys. You're talking about asset management. Kevin Knox, who we've always talked about earning minutes, only played 12 minutes. He hasn't earned a single minute. So I don't know what's going to change with Knox. You hope to see him 30 minutes a night because he's never been close to that. You hope to see uh, less of Randall, you know, a little bit more Dennis Smith. You saw 29 minutes from him. 
uh, and a little more Dame Dotson, who had 18. He shows, again, a guy who shows in spurts, he can knock down a three. He's kind of got that cool form. I don't know about Dame Dotson's shot. I really love it. It's, like, yeah. funky, but it works. It's compact. It's yeah. compact. It's yeah. very That's tight, elbow it. tucked. You know, he follows through. He has a great-looking uh, stroke. Pause. And with uh, R.J. Barrett, it's like, you know, we said we're in asset management mode, and he did get the minutes, but at the same time, everybody's in asset management mode. So there's no reason why a guy who starts off that hot in the first quarter – only gets one shot off. I, 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 I'm looking forward to the days where there is a new regime and at the head of the, at the head of the franchise that lets everybody know, okay, this guy's the guy. All right, like there's nobody out here trying. And and not only that, the coaches know that, but the players know that. You know, a lot of times, a lot of these players, you know, like you said, guys like Kevin Knox, guys like Bobby Portis, guys like Julius Randle are still trying to get theirs because even if. You know, at the end of the day, the NBA is a business. Even if it doesn't work out here, there might be somebody who, you know, puts together a package for them to, to, to get them in the, in, at the end of the year. A lot of these guys are still on one-year contracts, so not only are they playing for the Knicks, they're playing for the entire NBA right now. Well, in the words of the great philosopher, Ludacris, <laughs> stop moving so slow. I got mouths to feed. Uh, <laughs> and they got mouths to feed. You know, these guys are playing for deals. Some of them have the opt-outs like Portis. Randall is the one who has the contract next year. But if I'm the Knicks, I'm looking all summer long. Try and find a trade partner for Julius Randle. Oh, and I think Randall knows that, too. He knows I it. think Randall knows that, too. I think he's at, he's playing to the point where, and granted, he's, he's a professional. So he's going to go and try and play and get his every single time out. But at the same time, you know, you got to make sure that, all right, uh, I'm hearing my name in trade rumors. My contract's a little team-friendly. If the Knicks find a deal that they like, I'm out of here. Leon Rose getting introduced next week. Everyone's talking about this new regime and what will he do, who will he bring in. Mike Miller's days are done. Let's just be real about it. He's not going to be the coach next year. They're bringing in someone new. The new report, the new fancy report, and everyone first it was Jeff Van Gundy, and you know how these things go. It's yeah. it's very slow news time right now oh, with we, baseball. We, we not do this yet. all the time with the Knicks, it's, man. It's, it's every, just, we're every just, year. We're just fantasy booking this entire front office. But, but it's JVG now to Tom Thibodeau, and and you talk about it uh, with Vac in a little bit. But Tom Thibodeau's the hot name. He wants the Knicks job badly. There's a report saying, you know, I don't buy it, but odds to become Knicks head coach are 90%. The Vegas odds are being set already at Tom Thibodeau becoming the next head coach. At first, I remember you said you were a little bit against the – you didn't really want a Thibodeau or Van Gundy. Where do you stand on uh, the Knicks maybe going that route if they did? Uh, I, I've said this before, and I kind of say it again. A lot of times the Knicks front office runs the team – by listening too much to the fans, right? Like, a lot of times, you know, they want to get a big, splashy name so they could take the heat off of them for a little bit. Why I like Mike Miller is because he wasn't a big, flashy name. I think Mike Miller's a great coach. I think he was uh, – he's he's put that team that is incredibly low on talent in great positions to, to be competitive in, in times that they absolutely shouldn't be. But Thibodeau and JVG, they come with uh, reputation. They come with gravitas, which I guess can help a lot. But at the same time, I'm of the ilk that we're in the year 2020. All of the best coaches in the NBA are either former players or players that play a style that is conducive to where the league is going. And Jeff Van Gundy and Tom Thibodeau, I love what they've done in the past. I'm a huge Jeff Van Gundy mark. I love Jeff VG. I love him on ESPN. I love Tibbs on ESPN, too. I think he has way more personality than they give him credit for. And I don't think that those guys are the right guys to lead the team to the future. You know what I'm saying? Like, if this was a team that was like, say, I don't know, like, uh, like, like the Philadelphia 76ers, the Phil- Tom Thibodeau would be the absolute perfect coach 
for the Philadelphia 76ers, right? A team with a lot of talent that's underachieving that needs somebody to put them in position to win close games in the playoffs, right? Tibbs, JVG, all over that. The Knicks, it just shows me that the people in charge aren't necessarily going for the people that are actual basketball minds that are growing with the game. I don't want a guy who's going to be here for maybe three or four years. In the dream scenario, you want a guy who is young. In the dream scenario, you want an Eric Spolstra story, where a guy who was in the in the in the in the franchise for a number of years grew with the team during its down years, got lucky with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris yeah, Bosh. Those and don't then, come around that often. They Cavs don't. Are rare. They that's d- the thing. You, they're diamonds in a rough. Absolutely, but that's what. But that's what I'm saying. It lets me know that there aren't real. They're they're out there though. These guys are out there. It just lets me know that. The people in charge, and maybe Leon Rose surprises us. I mean, we hear all this top Tim Thibodeau stories and JVG stories, and that sounds, you know, like it's possibility. But maybe he surprises us. Maybe he knows these young guys on the up that are up and coming in the G League, in college, in in the NBA that are that are assistant coaches. Or you know, we tried it with Fizdale, but Fizdale was more of a personality guy. Can we admit yeah, that? Like he was you know, a guy that could handle big personalities and 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 make that work. Well, I think this team needs a kick in the rear end. I think Thibodeau's the guy that could do it for these young guys. So I'll disagree a little bit, and I think they do need a voice. And look what Thibodeau's track record has shown. He went to the conference finals, and he went to the playoffs. Semifinals, first round, semifinals, missed the playoffs, first round, and then was fired from Minnesota when he was 19 and 21. 19 and 21 for the Knicks. Stop the presses. Mm. You're only two games under 500. That's considered great. So I think he's the guy who's been a consistent winner. And I don't know if you want to trust one of these, you know, assistant coaches turned head coaches, one of these young voices. You kind of need a guy that these young players respect. And while right. I love Mike Miller, I love he's worked his way under the ranks. What, what have you done for me? I mean, you've been a G League coach. You haven't been a guy who's made the playoffs, who has made the conference finals. I mean, people know Thibodeau's track record, and he's going to be a guy that pushes guys like R.J. Barrett. He's going to say, R.J., have confidence in your shot. Shoot, Keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. So I actually like Thibodeau, and I think he would be the right way to go here. And I know you're saying he might only be three or four years but it might be three or four playoff years, and then maybe he'll return the Knicks to uh, the promise. But on the flip side, you look at a guy like Tibbs who was in Minnesota where nobody was watching him and had a team of Carl Anthony Towns, who is a, probably like a top five big man in the NBA, maybe top three depending on where you rank him, Jimmy Butler who was doing work for the Miami Heat, Andrew Wiggins who I think at one point was a, a, a great rising star who might still find some new life in Golden State, and – and uh a lot of good play, like he's had good players, and it didn't really work out in Minnesota. And that is because they were just, they just didn't know where they were going as far as a franchise is concerned. And you can't have old school mentality with new school players. I've, I've said that. I think you can have a nice little mix, but I think Tibbs, I, I love Tibbs. I think a guy who could benefit from Tibbs the most are people like Dennis Smith Jr. and Kevin Knox, who need some hair on their chest to get some, you know, and, and Frank Nilakino, who get some, some dog in them. I'll donate some of my chest. Right. <laughs> like, I think, that, I think it'll be great for those guys, but as far as the franchise going forward for the next 5, 10, 15 years, you need to find one of these diamonds in the rough. You need to do your homework. You need to roll your sleeves up, get in the dirt, go find these guys. Don't make just don't just make a big splashy name just to get the the our our, our back page off of your back. Yeah, That's all you need to do. Back page of the post. Now, right. we're going to be talking about the head coach Cavs for the next 7 weeks of the show. Uh before we wrap up this segment, we got to uh talk about the Kobe tribute and the Kobe farewell and the courage that Vanessa Bryant had to even go up there and, you know, 
maybe cried less than the crying Jordan, which yeah. was mentioned with the crying Jordan meme, and you know Twitter went crazy over that. But how Vanessa Bryant went up there and showed her strength. A lot of people didn't even know that she was going to speak. They didn't think she would. And her speech, I mean, I was at my desk here. Uh, I was at teary eyes. Oh, dude, was, I was, was I was, I was a complete mess. Yeah. Uh, the fact that she was the first to speak. Just, just, I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about yeah. it. Just like watching her walk up there, and my God, I, it's, it's, it's still so tragic to me. It's because I feel like it's still so close to our hearts as far as like how much we all grew up with Kobe and and just seeing his his after the effect that he's had since his passing. But uh, Vanessa Bryant, man, like just the strength of a mother and a wife to get up there and say what she did, and man, it, it almost. I, I likened it to like losing John F. Kennedy or losing like John Lennon or like, you know, like these type of like world changing figures where like the entire world just kind of shifts. And then you see, man, and I tweeted it yesterday, Michael Jordan with the greatest assist of his life. Like the first person you see when Vanessa just probably did the hardest thing she ever had to do in her life was Kobe's idol. All of our idols walking her off of the stage. And I was I was a complete mess after that. And then MJ you know, Rob Palenka, Shaquille O'Neal, great, great uh, speeches by all of them. Diana but I think, Taurasi, Sabrina. Like Diana I said, speech, I think yeah. I think it spoke so much more that Kobe had these strong figures in women's basketball yeah. speaking on Gianna and Kobe's behalf. Like he was not. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a virtue signaling thing. It was. It, it really showed you all these stories that he was. He was. He was really about empowering women's basketball and setting up the women's game. So when it was time for Gianna to enter the WNBA, like you got to think about it. Weeks ahead, I think days before the uh, the WNBA had the new collective bargaining agreement, we were all talking about like, man, this is kind of like the Gianna Bryan effect because. I can't name that many women's basketball players that was as famous as her. And this is before she passed away. Every time I look at House of Highlights, Bleacher Reports, uh, uh, Slam Online, any of these uh, any of these uh, websites, I'm seeing highlights of her doing fadeaways. I'm seeing highlights of her getting spin moves, getting to the cup. I'm like, oh, she is going to be an absolute problem. And now they were at the point where the WNBA was getting more money. They were getting more revenue share. Like, it, you, 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 you see the trajectory of where the women's game is going, and you knew Kobe had a huge hand in that because he wanted her daughter to have the same opportunities that he had because she loves the game just as much as he did. And I felt the whole thing, Kaz, was a perfect mix of emotion with with funny stories as well. I needed like, that humor. You needed it. I needed it. that humor, there were too man. much like, tears coming down. So when Shaq says, you know, there is a me and – MFR. Yeah. And then when, you know, Gino's telling the stories of, you know, not passing the ball, Kobe would have, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, MJ with the crying meme. I mean, that broke MJ, the MJ, internet. MJ I mean, killed it, man. You like, can't make that. He referenced it. If anyone makes it, <laughs> I mean, some people are using that as an excuse that they can make it. This yeah. is the crying meme has been retired yeah. after he mentioned it. I that. mean, it makes me, it, it, it almost makes me hope. It makes me wish that MJ was more open with us. You know what I mean? Like, as much as, like, LeBron is now and Kobe and a lot of, like, you know, the guys that are on NBA on TNT, like your Barclays, your Wades and that stuff. Like, you see that. I've never seen Jordan be so human. That was the first time I was like, dude, he's just a dude. He's just a dude like all of us. And and I needed that, man, because if there's anything that this Kobe tragedy has taught us is that, like, at the end of the day, we're all human beings like we are all like nobody's invincible like we looked at kobe like he was a absolute superhero and to see 
and no matter what you thought about Kobe, everybody thought about that about Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? So to see him be so human and humorous and heartfelt, man, it was the one thing I'll probably take away the most from it in addition to Vanessa Bryant's speech, man. It was incredible. It was a, a, a fitting tribute to a an incredible basketball player, but more importantly, an incredible human being and father. We'll miss you, Kobe. Your legacy will never, ever die. Legends live forever. And I'll remember 224 every year as Kobe and Gigi Day. Uh, it was fantastic. Well done. Well done by everybody involved. And joining us today on Big Apple Buckets is the New York Post's own Mike Vaccaro. Mike, how you doing, man? Guys, I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I uh, also want to congratulate you on that uh, Sports Writer of the Year that you won a few months ago, man. Congratulations on that. You are too kind, my friend. Thank you. Of course, of course. So, uh, obviously, the Knicks lost again last night. And I guess at this point of the year, wins and losses don't necessarily matter. We're kind of looking towards the future and, I guess, looking towards 2020 and the new regime that, I guess, is going on now. And the big question on a lot of uh, folks' mind is uh, who's going to be coaching this team next year? And uh, a lot of words have been talking about Tom Thibodeau. So what are you hearing right now? about Tibbs or whoever is possibly going to be uh, at the helm next season? Well, it certainly seems that Thibodeau and to a lesser degree, I think Van Gundy are, are in the conversation and I think they should be, you know, and look, I mean, all due respect to Mike Miller, who I think is a very good coach and I think he's done a pretty good job under some really trying circumstances this year. But I really think that what the Knicks need right now is a coach with some gravitas and some instant credibility. And certainly either one of those guys would provide that. Um, look, I mean, Hiring coach isn't going to get the Knicks into the, the, the Eastern Conference Finals next year, but it is one step in the process. And I do think that right now, more than anything, what they need is somebody who will be able just to walk in on day one and provide the kind of credibility that a coach like Thibodeau, a coach like Van Gundy can provide. And I really do believe that that's, uh, you know, look, I mean, there's a lot of things the Knicks need to do right now to get to where everybody wants them to be. But I think that's definitely one major step. Obviously, getting more talent on the roster is the more significant step in a lot of ways, but uh, you know, you, you need a guy you can entrust to kind of to kind of run the show, and I think that's uh, you know where the Knicks are right now in terms of needing to identify who that guy is. Now, a lot of people may not have been uh, aware of uh, Thibodeau's Bulls run. You know, it's almost we're going on nearly ten years since that initial run in the 2010s, and uh, you know the Minnesota run kind of ended a little anticlimactically. So, if you're a Knicks fan, what can you expect from a potential? Tom Thibodeau, or even to a lesser extent, Jeff Van Gundy, run at the head of the helm. Why are these guys the people that uh, command instant credibility for those who may not be familiar? Well, because they both have track records. And look, you're absolutely right about Thibodeau. It didn't end well for him in Minnesota. Um, but in Chicago, look, I mean, you have, people forget just how awful the Bulls were in the post-dynasty years. And Thibodeau kind of rebuilt that from scratch. Um, it started with a commitment to defense. And obviously, I mean, he you know he had Rose and Noah at the peak of their powers. That didn't that didn't hurt in terms of making things better for things for for him in Chicago. But he he was a guy who was able to get a lot of players to buy in defensively. That's really what the Bulls' hallmark was in a lot of ways as they were kind of slowly climbing into into prominence. And they could just never get over the hump there. But they were a team that was right there every year and probably would have been in a better position to maybe make some noise in the Eastern Conference if, if Rose hadn't gotten hurt. Obviously, these are all things you can't control uh, as a coach. You know, for Van Gundy, look, the, 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 the one red flag, obviously, is that it's been a while since his last stint uh, with the Rockets. It's been almost 20 years since his last stint with the Knicks, and that didn't end well. 
but he's a guy who has obviously been around the league the entire time. Um, he, he's kept his hand in coaching internationally with the Team USA in the summer times. And it's it, look, I mean, he, he he's the kind of guy who I think Van Gundy's specific uh, benefit would be that he would kind of build a bridge to what the Knicks were. And we've gotten to the point where it's hard to remember when the Knicks really were a prominent part, not only of the NBA, but also of New York sports. Because, you know, I always say this to, 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 to the younger crowd, they don't believe me, but, you know, as baseball mad as New York City is, you know, it wasn't that way, uh, now it is that long ago, but it was, it's hard to convince people that, you know, in a lot of ways, baseball season didn't begin in any year until the Knicks, the day after the Knicks were eliminated from the playoffs. And of course, that sounds funny now because Knicks don't, don't make the playoffs anymore. But, you know, Van Gundy was the guy who really, look, I mean, Pat Riley kind of made that and established that beachhead, but it was Van Gundy who kind of made it into a perennial thing once he got all the team. Um, and again, that's a long time ago, but I do believe that he is still remained. He's still young. He's still, you know, he's 58 years old. You know, he's, his personality is such that if, if he came here and took that job, I think he would go back to his old obsessive ways, which is not a bad thing. And it's certainly something the Knicks could use. Yeah. I was about to say, oh, uh, Obsessive is probably something that the Knicks need right now, especially at the helm. Uh, let's switch gears to talent right now. I know last night, uh, you know, the Knicks lost to the Rockets again, but we did get to see some of that youth play a little bit. We saw Alonzo Trier get some minutes at the at garbage time. Dennis Smith Jr. had a pretty uh, decent game as well with Neil Aquina and Peyton out. A lot of the fans have been clamoring for it, but uh, win, lose, or draw, do you see the Knicks continuing to go young and just kind of seeing where who they have right now? Well, at this point, they have to, Kaz. I mean, I think it doesn't serve any purpose to go any other way. They need to know if they can rely on on, on these guys that they already have to form whatever the the, you know, the, the foundation is going to be going forward. I think I think we're pretty confident that Barrett is that guy who played who played very well certainly in the first quarter yesterday. I think he's obviously a foundational piece. Mitchell Robinson's definitely a foundational piece. Everyone else, in a lot of ways, has a lot of question marks attached to him. And you know, I think that that's what the rest of this season has to be about: is establishing whether these are guys you can count on, or whether you have to start thinking about cutting bait with some of these guys. And look, nothing is more important right now for the Knicks than building a roster. And I think you have a couple of pieces you can certainly rely on, but there's going to have to be a lot more. And you have to try and figure out who else among this team besides those two guys I talked about, and obviously Julius Randle because he signed, are going to be part of your, uh, of, of, your, of your core going forward. Vac, the Knicks finally are going to honor this 69-70 team with a 50-year anniversary coming up. Uh, on March 21st against the Warriors, what you know? What took so long to figure this out? Um, is it a, is it a ploy to uh, try and sell tickets for a game against the Warriors, which is now a worse team than the Knicks? I mean, it's hard to even utter those words that that's the case. But how did this all finally come together? Well, I'll tell you what, it, it is amazing. Almost any other team, certainly every other team in this market that's had a golden anniversary this last couple of years, the Jets and the Mets. I mean. They, they scheduled this before they scheduled anything else. I mean, the Mets basically had like five different 69 Mets celebrations last year. And of course the Jets had a gala back in, in, in October of, of, uh, of 18 to commemorate the 68, the, the 68 champions. I, I wish I knew because I mean, you would have thought that this would have been one of the first things that would have been, been announced this year. And I know what they're talking about is that it was hard to find a common date for the most, most amount of guys and, you know what? I mean, I, I, I'm not there when they're trying to book this. So maybe that really is the case. But it really seems odd that here we are on the doorstep of March and we're really heading toward the uh, home stretch of the season. 
And finally, they're getting around to it's not just a, it's not just an anniversary. I mean, this is the most beloved team in franchise history. This is the team that won the first championship in franchise history. There's been so many books written about them, so much poetry written about them, so many uh, you know, so much nostalgia that's tied into them. Uh, you would have thought that maybe they would have uh, thought about this. Uh, sometime in the off season planned it then. But you know what? The fact is that the, 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 the date is on the books now. Uh, that's not, that night's going to be something special for sure because that team is, is so beloved. And look, I mean, I, 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 I think one of the things is that, you know, generally speaking, when you have a team that's scuffing like the Knicks, they look for any reason to be able to kind of fill the house. And while the Knicks don't sell out every game, they do sell a lot of tickets for every game. So it's not like you're you're turning a, a, an 11,000 attendance into 19,900. I mean, you know, you're talking about maybe a couple of thousand extra. And it is kind of ironic, right? I mean, you would think that it's something, you know, the, the way the last couple of years have gone, the Warriors would be the one game you wouldn't have to worry about selling out. And yet, obviously, of course, like you pointed out, uh, the Warriors, at least, this, at least in this one year, have fallen on as hard a times as the Knicks have. Kaz, how many more anniversaries are we going to celebrate? I mean, is it going to be 60? Is it going to be 75? I mean, let's not age Vac here, but Vac has seen the Knicks win a championship. Me and you haven't sniffed one. So. All, all this stuff is just like fairy tales to me. I'm like, wow, imagine playoffs, championship. It must be nice. Uh, uh, Mike, I just got one last question. It's very simple. It's the, we're on, Like you said, we're on the doorstep of March. Give me a reason why Knicks fans should continue to tune in for the rest of this season. Look, if you're a fan, I hate to say it, because, you know, fans shouldn't be required to do anything, let alone pay dues. But let's be honest, you know, when you're a fan, the hard times are what make the good times so much better. And I, I know that sounds trite. And Knicks fans have gone through a lot of bad years. Look, I mean, they've already paid their dues plenty. But uh, just think about what it's going to be like, you know, looking at, uh, say, R.J. Barrett this year and projecting him in maybe three or four years when he's part of something special part of a team that maybe is, you know, finally starting to rise a little bit in the East. It happened for the Cubs. It happened for the Sox. It happened for a lot of trash franchises. I hope the Knicks will finally see their day in the sun. Mike Vaccaro, thank you so much for joining us on Big Apple Buckets. Hey, it's always good talking to you guys. Thanks so much. It's going crazy. <laughs> joining us today on Big Apple Buckets is the voice of the New York Knicks play-by-play on radio. My man, Ed Cohen. How you doing, Ed? Hey, Kaz. Good morning from Charlotte. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How's the weather over there, man? I'm looking outside the window, given, uh, you know, we got in from Houston uh, late last night, early this morning. So, uh, eyes slightly foggy, but it does indeed look foggy outside. But uh, we'll see how it goes on the off day. The question, Kaz, is did he get Bojangles? Are you getting your fixings in at Bojangles? <laughs> Facts. <laughs> no. You know, you know if, if Dennis Smith Jr. can cut out Bojangles, so can I. <laughs> it's Bo time, baby. Oh, man, that's a, that's a great segue in what we call biz, a segue. So let's talk about it, man. Last night the New York Knicks lost again to the Houston Rockets. And, uh, you know, we're at the point of the season where we're not necessarily looking for wins and losses. So, Ed, please give me something to watch for with this team for the rest of the season. Well, guys, you know, Jake, I, I think you saw a little bit of it last night. Uh, number one, the first quarter R.J. Barrett had, uh, he took advantage of a team that was giving him chances in the paint, really capitalized. And I think if you even go back to the first game after the break against Indiana, the percentage might not show it, but he was really aggressive in attacking the basket. And now it's just, can his shot improve? Just like the guy I played in college with in Zion. Can he get his shot to a better place over these next two-plus months? Can he improve at the foul line? That's going to be huge for him. Maybe not this year, 
but overall in his NBA career. Uh, and then Mitchell Robinson, I mean, the activity that he showed, even when they were down by as many as 25, was just trademark last night. And those are two in particular, and the guys we've talked about all year. But those two really, if they can continue on this path and maybe show us some things towards the end of the year that we haven't seen so far this year, I think that'll be a positive going forward. All right, so what are one of those things that you'd like to see uh, that we haven't seen this year? I mean, I know we got we got a little tease of Alonzo Trier yesterday, and for a team that struggles so much scoring points, I'm still baffled why this guy isn't on the court. But in your opinion, what are some of those things that you that you haven't seen that would give you some optimism going into next year or to the summertime? Okay, so I think number one, it's it's the consistency and hoping that there's a flow every night. Obviously, it's a little hard right now uh, without Alfred Payton. I think in a game against the Rockets, as an example, you know, within the last 24 hours, you miss someone like that who can handle the pace of a game like that. Uh, Frank Neely Keene, the same thing. It was interesting the other night in watching Frank on the floor in the fourth quarter against Indiana because Payton didn't play in that game either. Uh, and that was a young group. I mean, you're, you're watching Frank out there with Barrett, I think Knox and Dotson saw the floor quite a bit in that final period. And then you throw in guys like Randall and Portis. Finding ways for these guys to get valuable minutes. And, you know, Mitchell Robinson didn't see the floor much, you know, in that game a couple of games ago late. But he's someone, too, he's been better at staying out of foul trouble. Not perfect, but overall better. And if you go back to last year, he was playing some nights, 35, 36 minutes towards the end of the year, um, given it was in a 17-win season. But if he can stay on the floor, uh, I think that's really important because you want to see him play solid minutes before the offseason. Right. So in addition to that, man, the, the shift to the youth movement, I guess, is what Knicks fans are clamoring for because it's like the Knicks are going to lose anyway. Let's just see who's out there. Let's see what Kevin Knox can do. And maybe maybe we've seen what he can do. Maybe he just don't got it right now. Maybe Frank Nielakina is who he is. Um, do you think this is the right move for the Knicks right now? You know, it's hard to say, and I think you have to take it in the scope right now that you have a coach in Mike Miller who's uh, done a really good job under tough circumstances. Obviously, coming in midseason, uh, he's 22 games into being on an NBA bench before he takes over for David Fisdale. And you look at his background, guys, uh, his experience in the G League, not just with the Westchester Knicks, but going back to his days uh, in the Spurs organization. He understands young guys, and he understands development, but he also realizes there are veterans on this team, and that wasn't the case a year ago when Knox was sometimes playing I mean, it was nine games where he played at least 40 minutes. He was seeing a lot of time, and you could say the same for Robinson once they shut down DeAndre Jordan towards the end of last year. So I think there's a balancing act now that you didn't have at this point last year, and you also want your young guys to play minutes with the best lineup out there. I think that's really important. You know, Kevin Knox, you throw him out there with guys who are in their second or third years for much of the game, you might not develop the same way as you do if you come in with a, a point guard who's played like Alfred Payton with some guys in the post who've been around for a while like Randall or Taj Gibson. So I think it's a balancing act, but they have the right guy in place who kind of sees it both ways in Mike Miller. 
All right, so uh, obviously I think Leon Rose is going to be introduced as the new head of basketball, oper- well, I guess Knicks president, uh, next week. Um, and if you read the tea leaves going around in the, in the NBA right now, Tom Thibodeau seems to be on the top of the head coach search for the New York Knicks next year. Is he the Knicks go-to guy? And if not, who do you think is the Knicks go-to guy, if not Mike Miller? Yeah, I got to start reading the tea leaves, guys. I like that. That's good. <laughs> I, I read the post and I uh, I read the reports. You know, obviously, I've uh, I've read everything that's come out that you guys have seen. Uh, and just speaking to people around the league, obviously, Leon Rose commands so much respect uh, around the NBA, just in his work as as a player agent and just the way he, uh, you know, he came up growing up in, in Philadelphia, the connections and the relationships he built there. And I think, you know, for whoever takes on that role, that's that's so important nowadays. You know, as for who the next head coach will be, obviously Tom Thibodeau's name you've heard, and I think you hear a lot of names whenever there's an opening with the Knicks. You know, people who you say, okay, what can they bring to the basketball side? How can they handle where this roster is right now? How can they handle New York? And I think in a weird kind of way, we tend to gravitate towards guys just in our conversations who have been in this market, who might have ties to the organization. And I think that's a good thing. So whoever it is, I think there's there's a lot that makes the Knicks job in the NBA unique. It's, as you guys know, as, as fans of the franchise, it's not just getting the best basketball coach. There's a lot more to it. And I think if they can land that person who is right for this roster, who can change the dynamic of the team on the floor, and who can handle this market, I think those are all things that are really important for the next head coach. Kaz is nodding his head in agreement because he said something similar to that. I love the Thibodeau idea, but he he's in your philosophy of getting that right guy. Um, all right, that ends our self-help therapy session talking about the Knicks. <laughs> let's, let's talk other things because, Ed, I, I really uh, you know I respect your journey as someone who's in a similar boat and you know working their way up and grinding to get to, to the promised land. You have done it. Uh, before we get into that, first, you also call play-by-play for NBA Live to that 2K19, and what is the process like? I've talked to guys like Charles Davis, and I know it takes like a lot of takes. You kind of got to record all these different sequences and different calls, how plays are going to go. Can you take us through what the experience of uh, calling an NBA Live game is? First off, you mentioned Charles Davis because when we're down there in Orlando, he and Brandon Gordon, who are just wonderful guys, and oh, uh, you know they are they are part of the game uh, in in gaming in sports gaming, and Charles is the best. So uh, you, you're you're looking at the right person <laughs> to to break it down for you. Number two, yeah, it's it's entirely different guys from what I would experience calling an NBA game on site because you're in a booth and you have to envision how every line is going to play and do it over and over again, days, weeks, you know, the spring, the summer. Uh, and it's just a great team down there with EA Sports in Orlando. Uh, but really, it's we might have a two-hour session where we're focusing on assists from Tier 1 players. So you might say, nice pass by Curry, nice assist by Harden. It's scary kind of doing this for you now. Over this podcast. <laughs> it sounds but, great. It but, sounds great. We're going to use these voiceovers the later in the future weeks. There has to be a little pause to extend to that next player. And we might do 10, take a break, because you want to maintain that level of energy. And, you know, that's a very small example. But over time, you start to add those things to the game, and then we'll go back and play 
and see how it sounds and how it plays and go from there. So it's it's been a really rewarding experience just as uh, an NBA fan, as a play-by-play announcer. It's completely different from what I normally do, but it's really uh, fun to be a part of. I want people to realize how you kind of got here because the Knicks is – that's like – everyone's like, you know, you go to the Mets, Knicks, like Gary Cohen – uh, Mets, we got Ed Cohen, uh, Knicks, no relation, uh, which which I had to look into. I had to make sure you weren't like the the son or brother of Gary Cohen or, or cousin or something. Um, but you know, it's, it's no, a, there are there are a lot of Cohens. I'd say <laughs> I, I, I think I had seven in my grade alone in, uh, in elementary school. There are a lot of them. Yeah, and Alex, uh, our assistant here, said that to me. I said, yeah, Cohen is pretty common, so you're probably right. But the the journey you went from Manhattan College, NBA TV, MLB Network, NHL Network, Burlington Royals, and the Billings Mustangs, where they might have paid you in cattle and and dollar bills. I, I know those minor league gigs are, you know, they're they're giving you a couple uh, McDoubles off the dollar menu there. But to get here after MSG Varsity and One World. Sports, Sports mixed in with the Yomur I can't even say it. Is it Yomuri Giants? <laughs> Yomuri Giants. Yomuri Giants. Uh, Continental Hockey League, Champions Hockey League, Chinese Basketball Association, New York Cosmos. If someone said you didn't work and grind and go through every level of, you know, not even just basketball, of every sport, uh, you have the right to slap them in the face, Ed. So can you kind of take us through this uh, wild journey of broadcasting to get where you are next to Brendan Brown in the Knicks radio booth? You know, I'm going to have to cut you off because Brendan and I are going to skip out in a couple of minutes and go call the um, adult league game here in Charlotte <laughs> uh, on the off day. No, you know what? It's I was 10 years old and knew what I wanted to do and, you know, hadn't really been on the air uh, until I got to high school. We had a public access station in Scarsdale, New York. Uh, but this is what I, I knew I wanted to do for a living, and I was very lucky along the way. I learned from a great mentor, uh, who you guys probably know, Bruce Beck at uh, Channel 4, and uh, went to Ithaca College, and that was kind of the foundation. And you learn, hey, never say no. Just when you think you've never done something like weightlifting for the Olympics or a triathlon, give it a shot. And I think those other sports and other avenues, I think, overall help make me better. I think the versatility is important. You feel like you could take on any sport, any challenge, uh, under any circumstances. So I'm just, it's fun to look back, but I'm just so grateful now to, to sit in this seat uh, and work with someone like Brendan each night on the radio and, um, you know, call games for the New York Knicks. I mean, it's it's still crazy to say, but I'm just so blessed and, and grateful to uh, to follow through on the journey and, and see it through now. Ed, you, you have an incredible career and in life that many people could be only envious of. Thank you so much for joining us on Big Apple Buckets, and we got to talk to you again before the season's up. Sound good? All right, guys. My pleasure. Thank you. Right now, I'm going to give you a little baby. Whoa. <laughs> And that's a wrap for episode 19 of Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, and new associate producer, Alex Camerata, for making the magic happen each and every week. Hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. Rate us five stars, write a nice review while you're at it. And as we do each and every week, we will catch you all next Tuesday on Big Apple Buckets. Peace.